We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. The Bills make me wanna Well, this is the first of many unofficial podcasts. What to call this right now? What, what would you? What the you Drew Gear Rock Pile. This is the Drew Gear Rock Pile uh, podcast. We're here to talk about the Buffalo Bills because that's really all that matters. So, a lot of things to go over. It's been an interesting off season. A lot of changes. A lot of different things going on with the organization that I think I've seen. In my lifetime. I know a lot of our older fans may have seen some of the greater teams that have come along in Buffalo Bills history. Welcome everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report Podcast. I am your host, Buffalo Bills season ticket holder Drew Gear. This is my producer Chris Krueger and that was me. That folks was me from our very first recording ever. Test recording. June 2015, dude, we made it. 100 episodes. Woo! Now, before we get started here tonight, Chris has an announcement that he'd like to surprise me with. Chris, what do you got? Uh, it's simple. It's um, our, if, uh, our podcast. You can now find it on iHeartRadio. Nice! All up right, top. up top. iHeartRadio. Uh, if anybody out there, if, if, they, if you use a specific podcasting app, to listen to our show, and we're not on that app, let us know. I'll see what I can do to get us on said podcasting app. iHeartRadio is one of the... I, I listen to it daily for Clay Travis and Colin Cowherd, and I heard like an ad on there to... Well, why isn't our podcast on there? So I last week I submitted our podcast and RSS feed, and I got the email today at about 5 o'clock. We're on iHeartRadio. Fantastic. We're, the, the virus is spreading, folks. The Rockpile Report outreach, it's, it's happening. Now, now folks, th- that was actually me from our very first recording. And I just want to point out, when we were doing mic checks, Chris sprung this on me. He played it for me, said, this is tonight's intro. Now do your mic check. And this was the result. Fuck that wimpy voice little bitch. 
Oh, if I had a time machine, I'd go back and spit in my own face. Oh, what a way we've come, folks. 100 podcasts. It's a damn celebration. Cheers. This, folks, is the 100th episode of the Rock Pile Report. I mean, take a look at the last three years and think about where we've come from and where we are now. It's it's incredible. Our first season, we had 1,400 total downloads. This year, we passed 17,000 over the course of an entire season. We've consumed more than 631 beers during the recording of the last two seasons alone, and countless more on actual game days, dealing with the frayed nerves that being a Bills fan can cause. Dude, I just got to cheers you for not, for not giving up on this. You know, if, for those that don't know, our friendship is based upon your ex-girlfriend and my ex-wife being friends. Who, who would have thought that those two floozies would do something positive for the universe. I know, right? It's, it's, this is just interesting that uh, this friendship has has has, come, has grown through the podcast. We haven't had any any you know issues with the podcast as it attains to our friendship. I mean, on microphone we'll fight. And I'll yes, call him an asshole. Yeah, but. cheers, because because this hasn't affected our friendship. I mean, I hate you even more than I did before, <laughs> but I mean, I'm glad that we haven't, I'm glad that you haven't given up on this. Guys, if, if anybody, I would have thought you would have given up on this see, earlier than this me. This is what I look at. I look at it and I just, the way that you're doing this makes me feel, and obviously it's resonating with you guys. This season, we celebrated a whole slew of milestones. I mean, our first episode was 700 or more than 700 total downloads. Thanks to the guys that down, was it Down by the Bank podcast? Down by the Bank podcast. We averaged over 500 downloads per show this year. And last week is kind of almost an experiment. I did 333 downloads with no online promotion or social media advertisement whatsoever. That means 333 of you crazy sons of bitches went out of your way to seek out our podcast without needing to be prompted. Do you know how, you know how good that makes me feel? I mean, just, and we've gotten to collaborate with just dozens of talented, hardworking writers, podcasters, assorted jerks and jerk-offs that have educated or at least at a minimum entertained us and our listeners. I mean, guys, this seems like the perfect time to start a podcast. The last three seasons of the Buffalo Bills. During our show's tenure, we got to discuss some of the most interesting years in franchise history. I mean, think about it. The the rise and fall of a loudmouth and his grandmother-looking brother. Coaching and GM changes that kind of reshaped the face and the foundation of this franchise. The birth of the process and the end of the drought. And sprinkled in there, blizzard games, heat waves, marital aids were thrown, streakers were glorified, hundreds of beers were consumed, and my ass has been chapped more times than I can count. At the end of the 2017 season, folks, it, it just feels, even now, perfect. I mean, change, highs and lows, and the the, whole, uh, the the Bills making a playoff game in dramatic fashion and ended with the New England Patriots loss in the Super Bowl. I mean, I couldn't have scripted 2017 any better if I tried. Chris, cheers. Cheers to it, us and you guys. Yeah, and we're not shutting this shit down <laughs> anytime soon. It's been one hell of a ride, and I look forward to years of doing this. I mean, it's, it, it's fantastic. Now... 
As we always do, we're going to kick off tonight's show with the Bills News Update. The Buffalo Bills have announced that there is to be an increase in in the cost of season ticket prices. Ooh. Now, for all of you out there who, like me and now Chris, are season ticket holders, it seems like the team's recent success is it's going to cost us. The team announced on Friday that there would be an increase in regular season ticket prices. I was telling you before the show, last night I did some Ubering for Sunday, no mm-hmm. football, already a little weird. Mm-hmm. I went and did some Ubering, and I picked people up down at the uh, Harbor Center Marriott downtown. Okay. In from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin for sled hockey. One of them was a Green Bay Packers season ticket holder, which is a rarity in itself because, you know, those seats are— Oh, they're willed to they're, they're Yeah. They're, uh, their waiting list is, is at least a generation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is my first year. I'm going to be a, a season ticket holder. And I, and I told him— I'm expecting my season ticket price to be around 400 or a little less. And he, this guy was, oh, my God. Four, what? That's like <laughs> two games for me. Yeah, It's a great time to be a season ticket holder. Well, and that's it. So that's why I say this. For those of you getting your pitchforks out and your torches lit, I've got one word for you. Now repeat after me. Who's from I say this for a few different reasons. First and foremost, the increase is set to only be approximately 3 to 3.5%. That means if you sat in my section, section 200, row 7, the cost of your tickets likely only increased by about $13. I mean, here's a quick list of things that I know for a fact I can't buy for $13. A 12-pack of Moosehead, a large pizza, a beer, or a pair of hot dogs at New Era Field. Moosehead is fifteen oh five at Consumers. For those that wanted to know that, fifteen oh five. But it's with tax. I mean, folks, the fact is that by comparison to what you're already spending, this increase isn't exactly cost prohibitive. I mean, come on. People upset about this increase are probably missing the bigger picture. The Buffalo Bills are the best value in all of the NFL. How could you get pissed off? We made the first playoff appearance in... 17 years, and it went up 3%. If they were to come back to me and say, Drew, we're not going to raise your season ticket prices, but in order to remain a season ticket holder, after a year where we made the playoffs with a team that by all accounts underachieved and we think can only get better, we're going to need one of your pinky toes. That's fine. That's fine. Get me the bolt cutters. I'll do this shit myself. Okay? You can have it. Wow. You don't you don't drink a lot of milk if you can <laughs> cut off your own pinky toe with... With uh, just bolt cutters. Now see, Chris, because I have what we in the biz like to refer to as upper body strength. Dad bod supreme over here, you wouldn't know anything about that. So t- I read a, a 2017 report by VividSeats.com. They're, they're, they're kind of a lesser version of StubHub. You know, they're, they're a secondary market reseller for sports tickets and things of that, that nature. They're the Alabama of secondary ticket markets. <laughs> so they put out a blog in which they outlined the average price of a ticket for all 32 NFL teams and then ranked those teams according to the number of tickets that they sold over the course of the season. The results were extremely interesting because I'm looking at this right now, and I'm going to tweet it out just so that you all can kind of refer back to it if you want a visual aid for what I'm about to tell you. The Bills ranked fourth in the NFL for ticket sales behind only the Cowboys, the Raiders, and the Cardinals. 
It's odd that the Cardinals are in are in that because I get Dallas and Oakland mm-hmm. with their their pedigree amongst mm-hmm. the NFL. You know, you think of storied NFL franchises. You think of Dallas and Oakland will probably be one too. Mm-hmm. Arizona, Arizona hasn't been re- really been relevant since they got Kurt Warner as their starter. Mm-hmm. They were nothing in the eighties, nineties. That's it's. Amazing that they're number two on this list. Well, well, here's the thing. So we're number four on the list, but and now, Chris, before you scroll down, in fact, I already close, scroll. I already scrolled down. Sorry. <laughs> so, so the team had the second lowest actual cost at ninety four dollars a seat. Now, number one on the list as far as average cost to attend a game was the Cincinnati Bengals at eighty six dollars a seat. Yet the Bengals ranked 30th in the NFL in actual tickets sold. Let that sink in. We are number four in the entire in the entire NFL for tickets that get sold every game. And at the same time, we're the second cheapest, whereas the cheapest team sees almost no action on the secondary market. Would this have anything to do with our proximity to, to Toronto? Well, I would I would say. People from Canada might not have an allegiance to Buffalo, but they might have an allegiance to other teams, will, say cheaters from a certain state named Massachusetts. Well, that's a part of it, but you're asking the question, what drives this? Anybody who's attended a home game over the last few years probably noticed droves of away fans. I mean, that Broncos game that you and I went to, oh, our yeah, whole section tons, was Broncos tons, fans. Tons of Broncos fans. This isn't an accident. We are the best value the league has to offer. And so fans routinely travel to Buffalo to see their home team live and in person. I mean, there's a guy who tailgates in my parking lot. He has been a Bills season ticket holder for six years. He is a New England Patriots fan who lives in Massachusetts. Okay? He did the math and realized that by selling off the five non-AFC East games that he gets every single year as part of his season tickets... And attending just those three games, all of the division games, including the New England game, okay? You figure it, he usually brings his kids. His kids are probably 10 and 7. I know we cooked him breakfast one morning because they came over to hit up our omelet station. Yeah, well, his and kids we, are probably assholes, No, his ki- you know what, though? He's a great dude. And we made small talk with him and through our conversations. This is what he told me. So much to go to a game at Foxborough. That he gets to bring his, he sells those five games, he brings his family to three games a year, and he breaks even on all of it. On the gas, on the tailgating supplies, on the whole nine, he breaks even by selling off those five games and attending three. Does he have an RV? No. No. Okay. He just drives in with his kids and leaves. Now, I mean, you look at the data and I can see why. The Patriots have the league's highest ticket cost at an average of $380 a seat. And they're only 23rd in total ticket sales, according to VividSeats.com. Does does this help put this kind of shit into perspective? Now, this is my first season uh, of the last three where I am not a Buffalo Bandits season ticket holder. Buffalo Bandits lacrosse team here locally, not one of the four major sports. Mm-hmm. I sat in the end zone, uh, section uh, 111, row 11. I'm 11 rows up from the floor, seats three and four. Both of my seats combined totaled 400 bucks, 200 a seat. And I'm paying just less than 400 
for this season mm-hmm. for one of the one of the the, mo- the most popular of the four major sports. Yeah, no, and, and that's it. I mean, three hundred to be New England Patriots, mind you, and they also included a column on this chart where they talked about percentage change from 2016 to 2017. So in 2016, the new so 2017, the New England Patriots tickets were averaging 380 a seat. That was up 31 percent, 31 percent from the previous season. All because you won a Super Bowl? Are you fucking crazy? 380 dollars. That's more than all eight of my home games for one game. I mean, think of the things that you could do with that kind of money. Instead of attending one football game with a bunch of cheaters, you could buy 350, you know, probably after taxes, grilled burritos from Taco Bell, 20 well, cases wait. of Moosehead Lager. Wait, wait, who would go to, around here, who would go to Taco Bell? We go to Mighty. I could buy a fucking we go bounce to Mighty. house. I could buy a bounce house for the backyard, Chris, for $380. I mean, I mean, you, you could pay for most of another divorce if you decided to again file the paperwork. Yeah, it's about, it's about 360 for that. (laughs) Assuming you're not like, like you were with my divorce, like we we didn't separate anything. Everything was already separated. We just had to pay for the paperwork. It's about like 360. Folks, you can get divorced for what it costs to go to a New England Patriots game. So for anybody out there who wants to carp about what they'll pay this year for their season tickets, think about the people in San Francisco who are paying over $1,700 for the same season tickets that cost us uh, from $800 to 1000 I mean, this, when you look at it in terms of that, all the money you're saving by being a member of the Buffalo Bills fan base, think about how much more that is in chicken wings and Wegman subs that you can stuff into your gullet. Or, if you prefer, you can put it in terms of how many more beers you'll be able to drink than those suckers in New England who, as if life wasn't hard enough on them, already struggle with most of the English language. When you look at it under that lens, things seem pretty rosy for Buffalo Bills fans, right? <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait. I'm paying just under 400 bucks for seasons. Scoreboard to end. Are you kidding me? We've got amazing sight lines. I don't I, care what anybody else says about our stadium. Even, even though I'm not going to, even though I'm not going to do it, I could probably make back a third by selling my ticket for the Patriot game. You know, every year that comes up. Every single year, me and my buddies say, "You know what? This is what we're going to do this year. We're going to sell the New England game. We're going to make two thirds of our nut back." For one shot, we could sell our tickets for 185 to 200 bucks and know that we've almost paid off our tickets for next year. And every single year, about two weeks beforehand, I, I mean, I'll agree with this for months, right up until that two week mark. In about two weeks, my palm gets, my palms get itchy. And I end up just quashing the, squashing the whole thing and forcing everybody to go because I was there in 2011 when the Buffalo Bills beat Tom Brady. And it was, it was I, to this day. I remember the feeling. I carry that around with me. When I feel bad, Chris, when something makes me sad, I think about how good that day felt because I'm a petty, petty man, and it. I want that. I want all of that. So no matter what time of year it is, no matter what the weather's like, I'm never not going to go to that game to my own detriment because we absolutely could, as you're saying, sell that one game and almost pay off our seats. It's incredible. 
I mean, nowhere else in the NFL. Jacksonville just announced that, oh, lo and behold, they're removing the tarps from their stadium finally. You fucking jokes. And they're finally rebranding the team to get rid of the ridiculous color scheme that they've been operating under for the last... I mean, their jerseys are atrocious. The two-tone helmets. What marketing genius out there decided that was a good idea? They're, they're, they're redoing all this stuff, and they've opened up thousands of new seats, right? Oh, yeah, because they removed the tarps. Because they're finally competitive. What, how long is that going to last? I mean, depending on it what could you, be It could be a shot in the pan. They got Blake Bortles. A is shot it? in the pan? That might be the... Uh, you just butchered... Probably. Co- you, you took three different classic phrases and just turned them into an, abom- just an abomination. Dude, I want to bite sit, your We've ear. been sitting here for like the last two hours prepping <laughs> for recording, and all I can do is fucking drink. Of course I'm going to screw shit up. I'd like to bite your ear. Why? <laughs> that might be... That's kind of kinky, but... Jesus. But Jacksonville... You don't know what you're going to get from... Jacksonville going to do what they did? You don't know who their quarterback's going to be. And just to put this in perspective, since we're talking about Jacksonville, going back to the vivid seats chart, I'm looking at it right now. Jacksonville Jaguars average season, average ticket price, only coming in at $105. They're actually probably third or fourth. I mean, they're right around where the Buffalo Bills are. They are 32nd in the league for number of tickets sold. Okay? So it just stands out the fact that the Buffalo Bills, I mean, for what we are, we're an attraction. Our team sells, whether it's to our fans or other fans, or our fans buying tickets and then selling them to other fans who then sit behind me and just drive me fucking insane. But either way, the fact is the tickets keep getting sold, which keeps us on TV. This price increase isn't going to hurt us. I mean, you think about what everyone else pays by comparison. We are practically stealing these games from the team. It's gonna What we did this year, making the playoffs, is going to help us next season because next season... More fair. That, well, the fact that we're in that we were in the playoffs gives us a better chance at getting a home game on a Sunday night or a Monday night. And for everybody out there, all of you who owns tick own tickets in section two hundred, I haven't forgotten. Oh no, no, no! Earlier this year on a previous podcast, I said that I was ne- I'm not going to forget all of the jerk offs who sold their tickets to obnoxious away fans, you're going to pay for this. When you come crawling back because the team was good and you decide that it's time to finally show up to a game, oh, I'm going to make you sorry. (laughs) This is going to be great. Oh, shit. Speaking of great, congratulations to Frank Reich on a head coaching gig. Finally. I mean, here we are. We're talking about New England. I mean, what a week they had last week. Offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, like a turd, screwed over both his agent and Colts GM Chris Ballard when he randomly opted out of signing an agreement with them just a few hours after they announced that they were going to hold a press conference to announce him as the new head coach. I mean, Chris, earlier that day, he was still hiring a staff. Yeah, they he was did, still making phone calls recruiting people. Yeah, they got two or three guys on staff in Indianapolis that uh, were cousin of McDaniels. And they're, they're, they're going to have to honor those contracts. So Frank Reich's got to deal with a, a defense, like two or three parts of a defensive staff. I, it's a move that literally reeks of Lane Kiffin. Leaving okay? Tennessee. And essentially might have blackballed McDaniels from being offered another shot. That has to blackball Anytime in the next decade. Are you kidding me? And if then, I'm an owner, I'm not, I'm not going to hire McDaniels for anything. And then, if it's to be believed, according to NFL Network's Willie McGinnis, former Patriot, 
McDaniels told him to his face he has no guarantees in place that he will be the heir to Bill Belichick. What? (laughs) What an idiot. Oh, what a loser. I read a report on Pro Football Talk that one of the Bears' concerns, because I interviewed McDaniels, was that he would actually leave New England, and that's why they went with Matt Nagy. That's a smart move, man. Nagy was a, a highly sought-after candidate, and the Bears are smart for doing what they did. So now, you know, they had to go get somebody. I mean, they're in a, if you're the Colts, you're in a tough spot because other teams have already hired who, you know, a lot of the available candidates. So you have to go back to a well that's already been depleted. And you're desperate because you need a guy because the, the pre-draft process is ramping up. If you're going to build a team and have a successful draft, you got to know what it is you're trying to build. Now, they interviewed a number of candidates, including the Bills' own defensive coordinator, Leslie Frazier, who was a defensive assistant for the Colts under Tony Dungy. They opted to go with Frank Reich instead, which is good for us. When you consider that, I mean, just the other losses and changes in our front office and coaching staff this season, the last thing we need is more turnover. I know, right? The, uh, you know, our defensive backs were so bad this year, we just had to get rid of Gil Bird. Yeah, we got rid of our <laughs> secondary coach. We got rid of, uh, what, our vice president of player personnel, uh, Gain. He's now the GM for the Houston well, we Texans. Didn't get, we didn't get rid of him. He no, left on well, his own accord. But it's still turnover. Yeah. We got rid of our offensive coordinator. Throwing in a new defensive coordinator on top of that is, I just, I feel like that's a lot. That's a lot to try to overcome in one offseason. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. So I'm, I'm happy, I mean, for as much as it probably sinks for Leslie Frazier not to get a second shot at being a head coach, it's good for us as fans because it, it keeps a sense of continuity where we otherwise desperately need it. And then I, I guess I just want to bring up a point. Chris, you seem to be a fan of Frank Reich. Yes, I guess I do. The yeah. I, I'll tell you right now, like to, I'm telling you, today at work, I hope, what we're on now, iHeartRadio, um, that's the app I listen to Clay Travis on at work between uh, 1 and 2.30. And in order for me to open up Clay Travis, it automatically opens up Colin Cowherd's channel. So I have to listen to it for a minute while I press around on the prompts to get to Clay Travis. And they were in the herd the Herdline News update or whatever it's called. And Cowherd was saying that he had talked to couple years ago, some uh, high-profiled uh, sources he has within within the NFL, and they were saying, Frank Reich, watch out for Frank Reich. Watch, watch out for, he's, oh yeah, the, the Bills, the former Bills, no, 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 no. he's going to be a great head coach. So Cowherd is already backing me that Frank Reich is going to hit as a head coach because I have a Seagram's bet with one of our Listeners, Eric Harris, <laughs> I, I put it out there on Twitter, I think last night, two seasons, Frank Reich will win the division for the Colts. <sighs> That's a, the, 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 the cojones that it takes to make that call. I mean, a lot of people point to Frank Reich's offensive acumen as the reason that the hire makes sense and to the reason why he'll be successful. Now, he's gotten buzz in the past because they say he's a, a good offensive mind, which obviously the NFL needs more of. I mean, look at... Sean McVeigh or Sean McVeigh, you coach look, of the year. Look at what he did. And when you're creative on offense, it can mask a lot of things that your team does wrong. I find it interesting, though, that Doug Peterson was in charge of calling plays in Philly and not Frank Reich. So really, he was offensive coordinator by title only. 
So well, I understand that his name kinda, is kind of like uh, what is it, Curtis Modkins? Yeah, Curtis Modkins. <laughs> I, I mean, what the hell did that guy do? He was mentioned as an, uh, this candidate because of his perceived talents, but you can't give him credit for the way Philly performed over the course of the last two years. You can't because ultimately he's not. He really hasn't had the role that a traditional offensive coordinator would have. That's like saying, "Oh, the guy who's Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator." Oh yeah, that guy's good. Which he when he started his coaching career in Indianapolis, when Peyton Manning was the quarterback, and then he went to, I think he was the quarterback coach and offensive coordinator in San Diego, Philip mm-hmm. Rivers, mm-hmm. and then then he went to Philadelphia. But he, that was more of a Ken Wisenhunt yeah, show. You guys kind of the same thing. Ken Wisenhunt made his own decision. I still I still believe in Frank Reich as a head coach, and he's gonna he's gonna do one. I was telling you before we started recording. Jacksonville won the division. Like they're not gonna. That, that could be a one and done. They don't have a quarterback for next season. Well, that's you don't the one know, thing I'll you say. You don't is, know what's going to happen solid, in that division. It's a solid opportunity for a great former Bill in a division that, depending on what Jacksonville does at quarterback, I think that the division's open to whoever wants to grab the reins and put together a complete football team. I mean, you think about you look at the Houston Texans. The Texans with Deshaun Watson healthy and throwing touchdowns at a record pace. They looked like a team that could run away with that division right up until his injury. Jacksonville has a defense but has an offense that you just can't trust it to not wilt in big games. I mean, yes, they went to the AFC Championship game. They also almost lost to the Buffalo Bills. They almost lost to the Buffalo Bills at home. Okay, that's a thing. That happened. You've got, who else? The Titans, who no one really knows what to do with them. They're, they're a run-first offense. Well, if you think about if you think about their head coach, Mike Vrabel, former Patriot, if you look into the context of uh, Patriot coordinators that have gone on to do anything, none of them have done anything. Mangini, Cornell, uh, Charlie Weiss, even in college, they don't do anything. I don't believe in Vrabel as a head coach. I don't. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Deshaun Watson comes back from his injury. What are the Jaguars going to do at quarterback? I honestly believe over the next two seasons, because Eric Harris definitely needs a drink at goddamn Seagram's. Uh, I honestly give the Frank. Man, hasn't I the give man Frank had enough. No, he the has, man no. literally drank a six pack of them. Uh, oh, we've drank more total, you and me. <laughs> he drank, folks. Those of you who may not know, one of our Twitter followers, Eric Harris, made a bet with us that the Bills wouldn't make the playoffs, and when it happened, I made that same bet. He kept he kept his word and drank six Seagrams. And to this day, I think he still has gut rot. And I tell him all the time, you should go get a sugar check because he may he may very well need to call Wolf or Brimley and find yeah, out where he gets where he gets his meds trucked in from. Oh, but having said that, congratulations to Frank Reich. I mean, he's a guy who I think deserves. I, I don't know. He's he's been he was a great Bill, and I think that his resume as a coach speaks for itself. I think that. He's des- he's earned this opportunity. Now it's just a matter of can he, you know, for all of his offensive acumen, can he do what you know former coordinators have struggled to do, which is learn enough about the other side of the ball to make a cohesive team. Because if you can do that, you can be the first one in your division to figure out both sides of the ball. You could you could potentially run away with it. Ah, <sighs> Chris, a hundredth episode, one hundred. 100. You haven't bailed on me. I love it. It's crazy. You you really do have abandonment issues. I love it. I love sitting here talking about this. I love this. I mean, folks, over the last three years... Three, I mean, 
three years. We September have, will complete three years, beginner fourth. I can't believe it. We've, As you heard from the intro, we have come a long way. Yeah. For, <laughs> We've yeah. come a long you heard, way. You listen the to the intro, you hear Drew's enthusiasm. Uh, He's excited to talk about the Bills. Like, like I, I, I'll talk about this with, with like, some people. Like, now that we're three years into this, like, you are who you are off camera. <laughs> like when you speak now on on mic, that's who you are. Well, when we that, started that this, was I was so not, that scared. Was, I was so scared about not putting together a quote unquote yeah. tight show. You were so scared of that. I, I I barely drank. I had things scripted to the word. I yeah. was afraid to just let it fly from the hip, and because I wanted to, I wanted to inform people. And then one day something happened, and I just said, you know what. Fuck it. Grab me a beer. While you're at it, grab me six more. Let's do this. Yeah, I remember that day exactly. It's when I left my <laughs> wife and I got this apartment and then we started doing the podcast from here and we just started boozing. <laughs> Folks, over the years, I mean, so many different topics, so many different conversations, so many moments. And frankly, you've all gotten to know us a little bit in the same way we've gotten to know so many of you guys. I mean... To Chris's point, when the show started, it was an apartment-dwelling, newly-dating Drew Gear, and a married Chris Krueger. Now I'm engaged. He's happily divorced. I mean, look at how far things have come. We didn't know what we were doing. I mean, and in the process, we've probably told you guys a little bit more about ourselves than we should have. We probably let a little bit too much of ourselves go out there. I mean, here's a gem. Here is a gem from one of our first episodes where we discussed Chris re-entering the dating world, his stalker-like obsession with texting, and my disgust over a local Buffalo venue. That's because you... I don't know. I don't even know what you do with your free time. Saturdays, I usually go play pickup hockey. Yeah, except for this last Saturday when he was hanging out at Ying's with some chick named Kat. For those of you who don't Kat, know, Kat my, friend Chris is now, my friend Chris is now trying to date. He's trying to back, he's going back into the foray of dating. Now, Chris, answer me this. All right. When you took her out, did you open the door for her? She was already at Ying's. Does she generally hang out at Ying's? No. So then why was Ying's the destination? She was with two of her friends. So she hangs out with people who hang out at Ying's. Yes. For anyone who doesn't know what Ying's is, it's a bar on Transit Road in Depuch slash Cheektowaga that I'm pretty sure if you set foot in for more than 45 minutes, you may or may not have hepatitis C. Go do yourself a favor and get checked out. Picture a bar that's dimly lit. It's kind of, it is the epitome of dank. If you looked up dank, there would be a picture of Ying's sign next to it in the dictionary. Part of the floor is, like, tiled, and then part of the floor is just bare concrete. And the concrete is always wet, but I've never seen anyone spill a drink on it. That is just unsettling to me. But Chris felt it, you know, like that was a good place to go for a first date with possibly a future girlfriend. It was not, I wouldn't call it a first date, because we didn't meet on Tinder. The only one... I've only actual person I've talked to on Tinder. Chris Krueger, folks, sitting here in his apartment drinking Labatt Premier Extra Light bottled water, <laughs> mixing his Maker's Mark with Coke, 
And meeting chicks on Tinder. Yep. So, let me ask this. When do you guys plan on meeting up next? Tuesday. Tuesday? What are you doing? Drinks. Drinks where? Probably, like, Jack Devine's. Downtown or Hamburg? Hamburg. By the stadium. God. She lives in OP. Duh. Where do you want me to go in OP? Where do you want me to go in OP? I want you to go to hell. <laughs> That's where I want you to go. Where do you want me to? Where do you want me to go to in OP? God. Oh, it's a happy hour. Where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to go for happy hour? If cirrhosis of the liver wasn't killing me, it would be you. It would be you talking about you dating this girl. I've only met her once. Yeah, but you sent her 5,000 text messages. Literally. No. That's not an exaggeration, folks. The number no. is 5,716. Something like that. I'll get it. Good two Lord. seconds. Three, two, 5,956 text messages. <laughs> this, this, this is my podcast partner, folks. Dude, I have not sent that, that amount of text messages to my own wife. I don't think anybody sh- I haven't sent that many text messages since I got my new phone back in March. Get the hell out of here. Chris. I like how that you, you immediately went to, like, did you open the door for her? Were you a gentleman? And then you just went right back to trashing Ying. So she hangs out with people who hang out at Ying's. Folks, you'll be happy to know that Chris no longer frequents that outhouse with a bar in it. That was the only time I went to it. At least to the best her. of my knowledge. That was the only I, I I sent you that picture message uh two weeks ago. I Ubered three guys that were going to uh, Of course to go into Yanks. And, and, and they let, were telling me. Let me they just were, take a no, guess. They, they Hang were, on, let me take a stab at what they were wearing. Affliction t shirts that were way too tight for them. One of them at least one of them had a flat brim hat on, and at least one of them was wearing a chain. A gold chain worn on the outside of his shirt. One did have a flat yes! brim. One That's did have one did have a flat brim. <laughs> But they were telling me that last week when they were there, they saw somebody get stabbed. Of course, because it's fucking Yings. Oh, that place is a hole. It, it and everyone who's ever frequented it should just be swallowed up by a sinkhole. And nearly a year ago from today to the day, we showed our sensitive side by opening our show on Valentine's Day with this gem. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Rock Pal Report Podcast. I'm your host, Buffalo Bill season ticket holder Drew Gear. This is my producer, Chris Krueger, and that was Mike Florio from NBC Sports. How's everybody doing today? It's February 14th. Can you feel the love in the air? I mean, can you feel it? is going to go talk about how great his girlfriend is. I'm going to go in the bathroom and punch one out. <laughs> How's everyone doing out there? Did you get something special from that lady in your life? Or did you get something for her? Drew's girlfriend. Drew's Occasion- get- Occasional fuck buddy. Did you guys, did everybody out there make everybody special to them? Did, did you make them feel good today? If, you, if not, don't worry. Because we've got a boatload of draft talk. Yeah. <laughs> Larissa's gift to you was you get to come over. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, before we start the podcast, I want to give a special shout out to our listener, Larissa Filipski. This girl is a doll. She not only fools around with me, but 
She also lets me drink and smell terrible and just do the things that she knows I love to do, including this podcast, which is why I'm here tonight talking to you guys. I'm sure a lot of you are out there eating lobster dinners or uh, maybe just making grilled cheese, watching bad movies on the couch at home. Yeah. Don't Where are my worry. divorced people at? <laughs> Screw this holiday. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Did you give oh. me more foreigner? <laughs> Oh, he hits that note so good. Oh my god. Can we can we let's stop talking about stupid things like love and move on to actual things that matter. Folks <laughs> This is Oh Chris. And you're still just as bitter and jaded as you always were. I love it. How else am I supposed to live my life? <laughs> Alright, folks. So Last season, we identified one of my biggest verbal crutches. I mean, as the uh, show not evolved, last season since 2015. As the show has evolved, one thing has become clear. Chris, why don't you explain this a little bit? All right, in radio, you have you have a term called you have a term called uh, crutches. The fact is, is that it's where you lean on like a phrase or a certain word. The fact is, is he and you just. Because you can't think of what to say, so you just you just say whatever it is. The fact is, is that he, that you want to, <laughs> and Drew's crutches. The fact is, is the fact is. <laughs> how many times have we heard you say the fact is? It's fucking brutal. All of those were different clips from different shows, and it took Chris literally less than twenty minutes to that, come that, up with all of them. That took less than ten minutes. Uh, I, that that. All four, I just played four of them. Those probably all came from the same episode. I am, folks, I am thoroughly embarrassed and I apologize for subjecting you to this over all the years. The fact is, is I'm going to drop, I'm going to stop trying to say this. I'm going to stop subjecting you to it and hopefully I'll get better as time goes on. Speaking of embarrassing, like all podcasts, we've had some hot takes. And like most people who think they know more than they do, they've been bad. In the summer of 2015, I waxed poetic on Tyrod Taylor. Kellen Moore, get out of here. No. He's, he's in the same field as Tyrod Taylor. I would rather eat broken glass and a fistful of nails than see that guy even, even being talked about as my starting quarterback. How often do we talk about, how often do people call into GR the last preseason game of the season? Oh my God, Kellen Moore. Detroit, he just lit us up. Why don't we sign him? Because he just went against three and third and fourth string starters. And then you just throw Tyrod into that. I'll, uh, three years I in wish playoff, I had, three I, years in a playoff berth later. I wish I had a fistful of nails for you to eat right now. And then I doubled down with this gem on Rex's defense. Now they're going to Rex Ryan's more aggressive scheme. I don't doubt this doesn't bode well for the players. They're going to do well. Our defense is fine. They're stocked. They're ready to go. Our defensive line, everyone knows what you're getting out of those guys. Oh, if you even have a ear on you, you can hear my computer running in the background. Oh, oh we are so bad. And then this year, Chris tried sticking to his guns on Derek Carr. You've got Derek Carr, who in his own right is a a good quarterback who elite. played a lot of shotgun. He's, he's elite. a good quarterback. Elite. He's, he's not elite. He's elite. 
who played a lot of shotgun that kind of insulated him from the pass rush, and he's smart enough to know when to throw the ball away instead of taking taking hits because obviously he's smart. Yeah, that me- uh, another word for smart is elite. I just dropped elite five times in like twenty seconds. Yeah, and he's he's so, elite. He's so elite that his team is drafting in the top ten, and his team is drafting in the top ten, and and they were awful this season. <laughs> Do you want to do it now? I'll go now. Right here. Fifth. fifth. You know what I'm going? You go with Seagram's? Seagram's. Seagram's that they... Oakland wins the division. Oh, I will take that all day long. Mark it. Somebody mark this down. Timestamp this. And then there's the actual hottest thing that ever happened during one of our shows. At G Terlone on Twitter. Let him know. Because that's where I got these stats from. Oh, speaking of hot... Oh. Did, you get a, did you just get a roundhouse kick to the throat? I just touched my eye with the finger that was in the reaper sauce. Oh! Oh! Get <laughs> up! <laughs> Folks, that... I mean, I don't know how many of you tuned in to watch me compl- complete the reaper wing challenge at Wise Guys Pizza. Was that from what the Reaper sauce that we got from so, uh, from Canada? So the official hot sauce company, the Rock Power Report, uh, Peppermaster, and the, the uh, you know what is it, uh, Pepperfire Foods Company from Montreal, yeah, sent in us Canada. a sampler pack of their best hot sauces, and they hit a Reaper mash. Yeah, and Drew got Drew I got, tasted it. You got wings from Wise Guys. You got no sauce on it. Just give me just give me the plain wing because you had you brought all these mini jars of. Of of sauce and Reaper <laughs> mash that we just dipped in throughout the episode, and then, and then I, you just like, oh, I'm gonna 1980s WWF. I'm gonna poke you in the eye, myself in the <laughs> eye, and you got Reaper sauce. It hurt for two days. For two days, I couldn't see. Oh, and folks, like as that reaction showed you. I don't, I don't know if you guys know this. I'm a rational human being. I mean, you listen to this show. I mean, I, I, I consider myself to be a pretty reasonable person, especially when it comes to the game of football. I mean, Chris, remember that time you recorded me after the, after the Jaguars loss in London? Thank you, sir. But I fear inebriation may cause me to forget my manners in such... I'm glad that at least two-thirds of our country tuned in to see what we get to watch every week. With this garbage loss to a football team, we cemented our position in the basement of the AFC East. The Jaguars wouldn't have been up if E.J. Manuel didn't decide to spot them 20 points. 20 points. You scare me. You're an alcoholic. EJ, if you if someone puts this in your ear, if you get to hear this somewhere, hang yourself. Sincerely, Drew Gear. Seriously, you are an alcoholic. But they have to fire someone in the coaching staff to send a message to this football team. They have to. It's the only way to get it back. And even then, I don't know that we're we're not a playoff team. We're not. If we're gonna lose to the one and five Jacksonville Jaguars, spot them twenty points and then still find a way to piss away a f- lead to them. Hopefully it's Dennis Thurman. I'm sorry, but I've never seen somebody do so little with so much. That guy's a ass. Yeah, you're drunk. I knew it. I'm sorry. Matt Hasselbeck played as a backup with a dog defense, 
and managed to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, and somehow the Bills couldn't do it. You know, you're in no, you're in no condition to, to deal with this right now. I don't so, give a f- I don't know how I didn't listen to myself after that because that's a 9 a.m. game, and I was like, oh, we'll just do, we'll do a podcast right after the game, and I got like 12 minutes in, and you were, you were just gone. I don't know why I didn't take my own advice for our draft shows. You will never hear us do another show during the draft. No, because I, you know what? You, you get just nuts. <laughs> Nuts. Guys, during our 2016 matchup with the uh, the Rams in Los Angeles, a game in which not only did we win, but the video of the following clip actually went viral for the next few days, I present to you Exhibit B about my game day mania. Defense needs to do its fucking job. You give up chunk yardage to the fucking Rams! The worst passing offense in football! We're making, we'll let them carve us up. Evanstein, the block at the right tackle. Oh, it's picked off on the play by Roby Coleman. And there he goes. A block into the house. Kevin Harlan, CBS Sports. Drew literally <laughs> was bitching about our pass defense up until that pick six. rum out of the bottle and screaming about our pass defense. And then the pick six happens. And I'm just left standing, sitting there in stunned silence. Yeah, the you're... video went viral. Almost 20,000 views in the first week. Yeah, you're lucky that it was against a, a Jeff Fisher-ran football team. And then this season, during a periscope session from the stadium during the Heat Wave Denver Broncos game, a shirtless Drew Gear screamed about Zay Jones in the tunnel so loudly that I scared the hell out of some random guy behind us. And he yelled at us. Oh, I, told, oh, I remember that. To you scared the shit out of that guy. <laughs> you scared. You, he was, you yelled and he like, oh, he was so, he was so scared. Folks, I am, I am a damn menace and I apologize, but I'm really not sorry. No, you're not. <laughs> pray for Chris and pray for my fiance because they're both going to be spending the foreseeable future. Spending almost every single game day with me. No, no, no. The people that people that listen to this show know, like, oh, God. People that listen to the show so excited that I'm a season ticket holder because we're going to have a <laughs> mass amounts of video of you screaming this bullshit and nonsense. <laughs> you, won't even, you won't even know I have the camera running. You <laughs> those, won't even know. Those are the worst because people get to see the mania that you all deal with. You, Chris, and... My fellow season ticket holders and my fiance and my friends who for some reason still want to be seen with me in public and still want to come over to my house and watch football games knowing what they're getting themselves into. Ugh. But guys, for all the nonsense and the jokes and the beers and the bullshit, this podcast has been immensely rewarding to me. I, re- I, I remember you saying not soon after we started doing this. Certain people that you talk to on a daily basis were excited that you get to do this because this is your outlet. This is therapy. You didn't, you would offload your Bill's bullshit onto other, onto your <laughs> friends in, in a manner that has. It's, should, it's, it's, a, you know. it's the equivalent of waterboarding. Exactly. They, would yeah. ask, they would ask me, oh, it's, hey, how are the yeah. Bills doing this year? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, yeah. our pass rush, and, ah, yeah. and our secondary, we have no depth, and I would now waterboard that, people. Now that you have this in a constructive <laughs> atmosphere, 
you don't waterboard these people as much. You're like, Drew, you're so much nicer to talk to because you get to vent every Tuesday, today, <laughs> Monday, obviously. It I'm I'm what, I, I'm, what about I'm you, happy Chris? for I'm happy for those people that what did, about you though? What are you happy about? I mean, this well, has I, to this I, has to do something for you on a personal level, considering how much you keep coming back for it. Oh, I mean, I just I love the production side mm -hmm. of this. I'm I'm glad you haven't bailed. I mean, I hate you now there, more than ever. But. There it is. There, there's an abandonment. Chris, listen. Unlike your wife, I will never cheat on you with another podcast. <laughs> 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 Folks, we have gotten to collaborate with some of the most talented and knowledgeable people I've ever met. I mean, th th that's been one of the biggest caveats of doing this podcast. I mean, from Eric Turner over at Cover One, WGR's Nate Geary, the guys over at Rock Sports Network with the Huddle TV show. I feel blessed to have made the connections and in some cases the friends that I have just from sitting at a microphone drinking beer and talking about How sports. How many of those people would actually reverse it a little? How many of those people would actually say, yeah, I'm a friend of True Gears? Well, it depends on how many, I've heard of the guy. Depending on what the score of the Bills game is and how many beers I've had, I don't know who's my friend and who's not. It, it, it fluctuates from week to week. I've also had opportunities to rub elbows with some of the best fans, you know, whether it's in person or via the magic of social media and the interwebs. With that, I've been able to put together a small platform for you and I that we've used successfully to help... People like Jay Seafelt from Wise Guys Pizza or Del Reed over at 26 Shirts increase their outreach and kind of aid their fundraising efforts, which go on to help people around the city. I, I know that I've enjoyed that aspect of it. You know, I really have. And then just, I don't know, just being, uh, just, just hearing your name out there. I mean, here's a clip of ours, us being discussed in WGR 550 in regards to the ill-advised Seagram's bet that Nate Geary made with us last offseason. It is July 15th, 14th, 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 it's the 14th of 2017, and the Cleveland Browns roster is better than the, by the way, I'm Nate Geary, the Cleveland Browns roster is better than the Buffalo Bills, and they will have more wins than the Bills in 2017. Eat your words, Geary, eat them. You're willing to put yourself out there. I Eating kind of a slice of humble that. pie tonight here on the Real Deal Overtime Show. Eating a slice, a big fat slice of humble pie, and it is delicious. This is the first time I've really embraced being wrong. Typically, I don't yeah, like fight tooth and nail. I, even if I'm wrong, mostly I'll fight you that I'm at least somehow a little bit right. Yeah, you, you want the credit for being maybe a little bit I'm right. I'm going to eat this and I'll one. And I'll give you a little bit of right. They do not have the first overall pick on the field. Uh, I mentioned there, and if you, you, you heard my little, my little blurb. You know what, Derek? Let's play it again for the people. Just, just the raw cut. If you, you, because I really... I'm, pr I'm a little proud of this. is a proud moment for me. This is like a dad moment. This is growing up. Go ahead. Go ahead. Play it is one. July... 15th, 14th, 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 of 2017, <laughs> and the Cleveland Browns roster is better than the, by the way, I'm Nate Gary. Running at a double down. The Cleveland Browns roster is better than the Buffalo Bills, and they will have more wins than the Bills in 2017. <laughs> and that uh, that sound coming directly from the Rockpile Report, uh, 
Drew and Chris do a great job in their podcast. That was from them. So if you want to check those guys out, do it because they do some good stuff as well. But um, how many people listen to that on the Real Deal post game <laughs> show and then checked out our podcast? I don't. Know. I'd, I'd honestly like to know the number. I just to me, it's just a cool feeling to know that people driving around after the game got to hear our original content played on commercial radio. Like that's that's such a cool feeling. I mean, I mean, I I know it. I know it's it's mid February, but. We we're gonna have to do that again in July. <laughs> have Ryan and Nate on our show oh. for like a season. We gotta make that happen. Yeah, we gotta have that again in July. And then I, the last thing I want to share with you all tonight is something that I personally will never forget for as long as I live. Last summer, working with all the guys over at Grandstand Sports Network, I was afforded the opportunity to attend NFL training camp as a credentialed member of the press. And, and with that. I, I was given access to the Friday night blue versus red practice at New Era Field. Surprisingly, you didn't wear a wife beater. <laughs> You're such an asshole. I love it. You actually, we got polos made with our logo on it, and you wore that. Untucked and unkept, obviously. <laughs> it was a life-changing experience for me. I'm, to sit in the press box, the Bills press box, setting up my notes, reviewing camp guides, to be present in the interview room while Sean McDermott spoke to the press, and to be on the actual sidelines of New Era Field, to walk around in the end zone, Chris, to, to just be there while the players are down there, you know, recorder and notebook in hand, you know, tweeting out photos, getting interviews with the players. The crown jewel of the entire night was just an absolute showstopper. The rain clouds had kind of rolled in and rolled out over the course of the night. And they started to roll back in towards the end of practice. And all the paid media personalities and attendants were rushing around trying to get their interviews in. I take a look and I see Kyle Williams walking across the field in street clothes. He was alone and totally unbeknownst to me, players who don't practice typically don't speak to the media. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't know this because this is literally your first training camp ever as a I'm using air quotes here. Member of the media that wears a wife beater. I'll tell you this. I, I, I saw it and I, I, I had to go get it. I struck out across the field to go catch up with him. I snagged him around the middle of the 40-yard line. I'll never forget just where I was, where it was happening. And he was surprised that I approached him but was pleasant and seemed really happy to talk giving me what was, for the most part, an exclusive interview. For, for the first time, played in its entirety. This is my essentially exclusive interview with Kyle Williams at Buffalo Bills training camp. This is Drew Gear from the Rock Power Report and Grandstand Sports Network, and I'm here with Buffalo Bills defensive tackle Kyle Williams. Kyle, I see you under the pads on today. How you feeling? Is everything good? Just a rest day? Yeah, they just gave me the day off. We've seen guys through camp get a day off here or there, and mm-hmm. uh, today was my day. Oh, perfect. Obviously, you are a fan favorite, and you're a staple on this defense. You're kind of the elder statesman of the defensive line. This is a team that's gotten a lot younger around you. What's it like to mentor and coach up some of these young guys like Jarrell Worthy, and you know, you got guys like Shaq Lawson on the D-line? What's it like to mentor that group? It's good. I mean, they, they understand what is expected of them. They understand that uh, to be successful, we have to put a certain level of work in every day. And they bought into it. And, you know, my main goal and objective is to show them how to work, not tell them how to work. 
Now, for coming from a guy like you, I'm sure they're all ears. You know, pro bowler, just obviously you're a staple on this team, and you've been in the league for a long time. You have a lot to teach. Specifically about this defense, you know, the move back to a 4-3 defense, you've always been at your best, I think, when you're able to be a penetrator, when you're able to be a playmaker and kind of play within yourself. Do you feel kind of, you know, a lot of guys have talked about feeling re-energized in this defense. I mean, what is it that you like about the switch back to the scheme? Um, I like the aggressiveness of it. I like the ability to use um, speed and strength and athleticism. Um, and, you know, just more than anything, I already said it, is just being aggressive, you know, trying to dictate the offense. Just go out and, and make them adjust to you and not us to them. Kyle, the last couple of years, it's been a struggle for the front three, now front four, to get pressure on their own. I mean, a lot of blitzers and things like that. It seems like it's been a lot easier this year for the front four to get penetration and, and get that, that pressure without needing that help from the linebackers and safeties. How big is that going to be for this team, for this defense, to be able to get that pressure like they did a few years back in the same scheme? Well, uh, you know, we haven't played any games yet, so we haven't done anything yet. So, uh, you know, it's going to be big. Anytime that you can affect the quarterback uh, – uh, with as few as many people as possible, that's great. So, you know, we're going to go out and we're going to work and we're going to play hard uh, to accomplish all the things we want to accomplish, whether it's with three, four, five, or 11. It doesn't matter. <laughs> any uh, any comment on Marcel Darius calling you his work wife? If anybody's the wife, he's the wife. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Fair enough. Now, Mike Waffle has been one of the best defensive line coaches in recent NFL history. I mean, the guy coached up the 08 New York Giants line that went on to beat the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl. The, the Rams with Aaron Donald and Robert Quinn. What's it like learning under a guy like that, being coached by a guy like that who brings that intensity to, and kind of preaches what you're talking about, that attacking mentality? I love it because he it wants the best out of you. And if you can't handle somebody that wants the absolute best out of you, you're probably in the wrong business. So I enjoy that. I enjoy being challenged. I enjoy uh, being challenged to be better. Uh, no matter how good anybody's been, you know, they can always refine something. They can always work on something. So I enjoy that part of the game. Kyle, three seasons ago, you guys were one of the top five defenses in NFL, pretty much rushing with four men uh, for the four front guys. This year, you have Shaq Lawson on the end instead of uh, um, Mario Williams. You guys think you'll be able to get the same kind of impact, same kind of pressure, and the same sack numbers you were three years ago? I don't know. You can't. You can't really put a thumb on that. You know, there's it's a hypothetical, and there's a whole lot of work to be done before we even play our first game. I just know that we're going to work really hard. I'm going to push guys as hard as I can push them. I'm going to push myself as hard as I I can go. And you know, wherever that lands, it lands as long as we're winning football games. Do you expect this kind of crowd tonight with the weather being what it was all day? I mean, you, our fans are always the best. They're always going to be here no matter what. So no, no shock. This place could have been filled and it wouldn't surprise me. You listen to that whole audio. I hear you throughout the beginning. And then friend of the show, Ryan Lysel, I believe he's on Twitter, at Ryan underscore RSN. And then some other guy get in a question. You literally got in most of the questions. Well, okay, so, so let me explain this to you. So here I am interviewing Kyle Williams. Alone. Within minutes, people just showed up. Like, I think people looked across and saw that I was talking to Kyle Williams. And next thing I know, I've got some guy trying to balance a camcorder on my shoulder. Like, he's, there's people trying to get around this. And I ran the interview for most of it. It was just, and then after, I mean, just a scrum of reporters. And then afterwards, a guy from WHAM, which is the Rochester ABC affiliate, asked me who I worked for because he'd never heard of the Rockpile Report. But he was like, oh, yeah, I've never heard of you before, but you ran that interview. The whole thing was incredibly surreal. And I can tell you that I went home that night 
I mean, I met Chris and Larissa and, you know, some other people at Duff's afterwards for Wings. And then I went home and kind of uploaded some audio and you know, tweaked my write-up of training camp and everything else. And yet, I, I, I couldn't sleep. I was wired. I, it was one of the most surreal experiences of my entire life. And I have, you know, it would, I guess what I'm trying to say is this, guys. Yes, that's something I accomplished. And, you, you know, we've been sitting here tonight talking about all the things that we've done and all the things that we've said. But it's because of you guys that I, that we've been afforded these opportunities. It's your support. It's your guys showing up every single week to listen to what we have to say and what we think, interacting with us online. That's what's gotten us here. Okay. I, I, I just say cheers to you. No, no, looking back at it right now in this moment, when were you ever going to get a chance to interview Kyle Williams as a Buffalo Bill? Never. It was never going you to happen. Don't, we don't know his status for this, this season, if he's coming back. That was the only opportunity you were afforded to, and members of the media that have been to training camp before, knowing, oh, guy on his off day, not going to touch him as an interview, you being a rook, you didn't know that. You you wanted to get you wanted you, and it turned you, into you a, probably wanted to get an interview with him whether you did this podcast or not to begin with and you went and you sought it out and you got it. And I've told I've told you this off air, you have the you have the personality to handle training camp because you're somewhat of a go-getter and I, and and I know I mean I don't know if you want to touch on on air but you know, you've asked other members of the media like Oh, where do we go for this? And they're like, oh, I don't know, kid. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't like, know. I don't know, oh, kid. I've absolutely been sandbagged, but you learn. But, guys, I guess what I want to stress here is this. We wouldn't be what we are, and I wouldn't be doing this. I still wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you guys. You guys are the reason I show up every single week. And I, I put in the work, and I put in the effort to try to make a great show, make something entertaining, make something informative. It's for you guys. So, really, I think... I, I think the biggest congratulations of the night, and I guess the biggest celebration of the night, should be for you. You're the best fan base anybody could ask for. And I promise you that we won't stop doing everything we can to bring you entertaining and informative shows from now until the sun explodes and the NFL no longer exists. See, when the NFL no longer exists, Gronk's, Gronk will be checking your IDs at Brick Bar on Allen. <laughs> Guys, we got to go. Whoa, Ma- hold up there. Um, hold up there. What are we doing next week? We got, we've, we've already got confirmation on it. Next week, we're going to be starting our NFL draft series, starting with Matt Waldman. Okay, he, he does a ton of draft scouting, a lot of draft work, a lot of draft analysis. It's he's, gonna- he's, with, he's a, According to his Twitter, he's a football guy's staff writer, lives in Atlanta, where I used to live, and his specialty is running back. We're going to have him on to discuss the upcoming crop of running backs for this year's draft. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I can't wait for it. Make sure you check back, guys. We love you. Yeah, we're going to. It's going to pertain to what what can we get in the draft at running back that 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 fits our offense. And he he puts out an incredible uh, rookie guide to 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 following the NFL draft. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give you the the best knowledge we can. From people that'll come on the show, give it, give you guys their knowledge on the position that they follow, and we're gonna kick it off with running back. Who, who wants Mike Tolbert back 
as a running back. <laughs> Tell me right now. I don't want to see that guy in a Bills Nobody. Uniform. That's who. Guys, we got to go. Thank you so much for tuning into our 100th episode. I promise we've got more great stuff on the way. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Krueger. And this has been the Rock Pile Report.